I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome to Unashamed. I'm at the Southern Lair. Zach is in North Carolina. And uh looks like, uh, for those of you watching today, we've got a little... Uh, We've got some biscuits on the table. Yeah. Jeff. Okay. I'll tell you the story. He waited. He waited till we were gone and not in house to do whatever this thing that's about to happen. We don't get to participate in. Well, uh, I am dieting, so maybe it's good that I'm not. Exciting there. news. We're we're doing something a little off the grid today because Missy finally got home from Spain, and so she was telling me what exactly you know the souvenirs she bought. She got me some vintage olive oil that she had tasted from, you know, at these, she went, they went out in the rural areas of Spain and looked at the country and met the people. Did you ever explain, Jace, on the podcast why Missy was in Spain? This uh, is like no. a three dog night zone. No, but I will. She, uh, the reason she went is because she said, I'm going to Spain. So I said, okay, let me know when you get back. <laughs> Man, that's, a, that's riveting right there. <laughs> so that's. Dad, Dad, what was the old Three Dog Night song? Have you ever been to Spain? <laughs> yeah. No, she went with one of her uh, close friends, and uh, they were going somewhere else to an event that she had on a cruise. And I'm not sure if the boat sank or uh, there was a problem, but they. They that fell through at the last minute, but they had already had the week because they were she was doing an event on a cruise ship. So she wound up going well, she found up going to Spain. She wound up going to Spain. So she came back and she's like, I'm so excited about all the souvenirs I got everybody. She was going through, I mean, different things. And she said, But I'm the most nervous about what I got your dad. And I was like, You got my dad's <laughs> That's a bold move there. <laughs> and I said, well, why are you nervous? And she said, well, honestly, it is very low reward, but highly risky. <laughs> and I, I was yeah, processing yeah, that what, statement. What I need. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was saying for her, because she's like, <laughs> here's what she did. So, and I, I wrote this down. I sent a message to myself, which is... Very handy. So she got you, and I, I haven't looked at it. I want to see it. She got you a jar of homemade jelly from a family that she met from the Catalonia region of Spain. And it was sold in the market square in Barcelona. Hmm. Now, it was an interesting combination. It is raspberry with blackberry. And this is it. Raspberry and blackberry. I've had both. From the, Made both. But this is from the rural Spain, uh, I guess Spanish village made by a family. So I just thought, you know what? Since she's so nervous, why don't we let, let's do a taste test. Because you are a famous jelly maker. How long have you been making jelly? I watched it being made. Uh, with my mama and my dad, every year I was picking up mayhaws. We all we did, the kids who picked up the mayhaws when the, in the springtime, when the, sometime when they were in the water, falling in the water, we had little nets, we were gathering them up. But blackberries, dewberries, whatever was making, the kids were out there, helped pick it. 
to yeah. make to have the jelly made. But at some point, you 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 really enjoy the jelly making process. I stood there and watched how they did it, and therefore, after they have gone and they're with the Lord now, uh, when when it came to that, uh, I knew how to make jelly because I observed what they were doing, and I loved the jelly. So I said, "I'm all in on this jelly making. I've been making it ever since." Yeah. I was going to read that, some you, of this. You've, but, you uh, found out that, that we were known for jelly making for hundreds of years. Our, yeah, our name in Scotland. is Scotland, right? That's right. what we were known for. I asked the guy uh, who did a historical account. <clears throat> I said, what were the Robertsons known for? He said, jam, jam and jelly. I said, jam and jelly? Well, we took that over to the States with us, you know? So, so. That, that's our heritage. They still have Robertson jellies and jams. They're making it in Scotland. When we came to the New World, we brought that with us. So I'm living proof of that. I'm now placing the jam on, on the... Now, Missy said once I said, I said, babe, you know what I need to do? I was like, let's just do this on the podcast for our viewers. And you I, know it's a good gift because you know it's an expensive gift. I mean, that uh, costs 99 cents a dollar, a buck and a half. So what? Uh, <laughs> I think she said this costs $3 because uh, everything's cheaper over there. Yeah. But uh, betting lines are open on whether Phil will like this or give his a- approval. But she said you might ought to eat it first in front of him, kind of like the king would have the, the servants. Well, to make sure yeah, that I live. How can you eat something and I and I understand whether it's good or bad from what you're doing? Well, I just thought if you wince, all right, let's bad. do it at the same time then. Yeah. Uh, so here, prepare. I want. I don't want because I know how you are. We're all we're all germaphobes, and when it comes to food. Oh, I mean, we really Phil said because I was getting the biscuits out, and he said, "Hey, are you gonna?" Because Phil went to get one. I said, hang on, I got a project. <laughs> yeah. Phil had no idea we were fixing to do that. <laughs> he, was and, uh, he said, I don't want you handling my biscuits. Uh, watch it. Whoa, it's about to leak out there. Yeah, Jace, oh, give us the play-by-play for those who are audio only. What, tell audio us, tell only. Tell us what's going on. Right now, Phil is spreading the, what was it? The uh, jam. Raspberry and blackberry jam from the region's. Of Spain, a family on the biscuit. On the biscuit, we got a Chick Fil A biscuit here, so I didn't have time to bake this morning. Well, like the old outlaw said, say when. I say when. Let's try. It. So we are now, we are now partaking of the biscuit, all the way from Spain. So Zach and I are watching patiently. <laughs> yeah, we're salivating watching. We're, we're on the edge of our seat. They're chewing. They're chewing. Compared to ours, our making of jelly, which we we brought from Scotland, and I went around Spain, but according to that, <laughs> the meter says the, the meter stopped right there. It didn't do that, and it didn't do that. It's like so the the, 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 hanging, the thumbs the thumbs not going down or up. It's just it's average. It's medium. Bill has gone Roman Gladiator, and he said the thumb didn't go up, but it didn't go down. I would give it a thumbs up. I think it's unique. I think it it seems a little sweeter than our jelly, but. Phil said we I thought, made I th- I thought it was we fantastic. Beyond a doubt, our blackberry jelly is better than this. Beyond a doubt. 
<laughs> As he takes another big bite. Anything else. <laughs> it is. It is edible. It's edible. Uh, Viva Española. <laughs> yeah. so, so when Phil says it's edible, let, let me translate. That means it's actually probably really good. If he's yeah. that's a, that is a that's a that's a raging endor- a raving endorsement right there. If he says it's edible, this wouldn't be. I asked the people over in the Scotland, the historian, what were the Robertsons known for before they all came to the New World, and he said, jam, jam and jelly making. I thought we took it with us. That's where we got it from, the Scottish. But this is down in Spain, quite away from Scotland, so. <laughs> I mean, it, I thought it was really good, Phil. I have bad. to admit, no, she got you some jelly, and I thought it was really nice. It and was I, nice I, of him. I thought it was really good, and Phil gave it a neutral rating, which, to Zach's point, is very good. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And he ate the and entire I say, biscuit. I will say, yeah, I was, I was going to say both the plates are clean, so that ought to tell you something. There's the, there's the biscuits were eaten, the jelly's gone. So it was edible. That's a big. That's yeah, a big edible. step in the right direction. Yeah. So Viva, Viva I, I, have, I have no idea on where we're going from here, but I thought that would be fun. <laughs> and and I do say that part of you know our fabric of our family is we live off the land. I mean, feel accurately depicted that. And it is there is I have a lot of good memories about being down on the ground collecting berries as a kid and oh, enjoying yeah. later on that night, the first jar of jelly, we would all get around and do a taste test. I mean, you remember that? It was like yeah. the big moment of we going through the process. And, uh, I think it's just good. It's something really good for your family to be outside and to be a part of and do together as a family. I think my favorite line of that segment was, when when our ancestors were traveling to Scotland to make jelly, we went around Spain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they were at war with them, but they skirted Spain. That was a lie. That was a good one, Dad. That was pretty good. So to all our so, uh, listeners from Spain, well done, and we're grateful. Well done. V- yeah. What did you say? Viva Española. I mean, you wouldn't want to throw that out the back door. I mean, you can eat it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. good. I mean, it's, 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 it's actually it was it was uh, good. It was unusual. It was I, it was like no jelly I've ever tasted, but I thought it was good. Well, it was raspberry. <laughs> it was it was berry. So it's, it was it, raspberry. It, it, anytime and you have a sweeter, see if you have a sweeter berry than the. I mean, because you're adding a ton of sugar. So you guys make the y'all are famous for the Mayhall jelly. But they didn't add a ton of sugar. Too much sugar to this. This right here was. I didn't was, need to. Well, that's right. They they did well on that. They didn't overdo it on the sugar at all. The more Phil is talking about it, the more I really think he likes it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd eat it, but I just know that you make your own jelly, so that's well, why. Two things can happen: you can get stuff and you can throw it out the back door and see if the dogs eat it. But if you can try that, and if the dogs <laughs> don't eat it, well, you said no, nah, I don't want that. But if, if you don't throw it to the dogs, this right here, I wouldn't throw it to the dogs. I'd eat it. Well, there you go. That's <clears throat> that's as good as endorsement as you're going to get. So we're in um, first first Peter two, yeah. right, Al? We are. Let's let's take a break. So, Jason, I know you've been on the road here recently. Uh, well, did you miss your Helix well, mattress? The tradition of the day after duck season is I get a lot of sleep, so I then think about the mattress 
more than any other time of the year, and I'm glad I have a Helix. They are the best. Even your kids loved them, right? When they came home for Christmas holidays, they were talking about that Helix mattress. They do. They're fantastic. Uh, we've been we've had them now for quite a while. I've been sleeping on a Helix for uh, several years now. They're custom made for you. They ship them straight to your door. Uh, they've got a hundred night uh, free trial. They get a ten to fifteen year warranty, uh, depending on which model that you buy. Uh, when you go online, they're going to give you a little sleep quiz to make sure you get just the right model for you. Um, they're fantastic. You're going to love it. They're offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our unashamed listeners. If you go to helixsleep.com slash unashamed, you're going to get their best offer yet. It won't last long, so we want you to check them out. Helixsleep.com with Helix Better Sleep starts now. So check them out. It's like crawling up into your mother's arms. No, you don't have to run that if you don't want to. <laughs> I would run the whole thing, including the last I'd run comment. The whole thing. Yeah, we're in first uh, first Peter two, and uh, just uh, by way of because um, uh, we're coming back off a, a little bit of a break, by way of recap. Um, we started into first Peter and we kind of, we, to set the stage, we, we talked about this is a letter to the scattered, which I think when we get to this section of text, I think that's very relevant because these are folks that, you know, remember back when we were studying the book of Acts, we get to Acts chapter eight and the church was really packed in there in Jerusalem in those early days when Peter and all the early disciples were there. And then all of a sudden, whenever Saul comes in, this persecution just scatters the church to the four winds, which was kind of the purpose of what God had in mind for the church to go. And so this is, uh, this is kind of the seeds of the, <clears throat> the church in Asia minor. And so that's who Peter's writing to 30 years later. And so he's, he's kind of talked to him about salvation, a living hope, this idea about legacy, holiness. Uh, he talks about a new birth and he talked about relationships and he kind of gets to this section in chapter two and verse four. And now he's going to kind of, to me, kind of get to the pivotal point. I want to bring something up. I think you'll find this very interesting because uh, Missy, you know, as we're, we're talking last night, we hadn't really seen each other in a couple of weeks. I've been filming uh, a TV show and uh, I saw her. We, we met up in Nashville to see the new grandson who and I can in future podcasts I'll be giving you updates on that. But everybody's well, and so we were just kind of going back and forth on what we've been up to. And uh, she was asking me where we were in our studies on the podcast, and I said First Peter two. And I, you know, it's like when you ask me something about a Bible study, I noticed that like five minutes later I was going into my thoughts on first Peter two, you know, so I was giving her the, 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 my prep work, you know? And so I was like, babe, do you realize that you are royalty? Cause I was thinking of this first Peter two, seven, you know, and she's like, Oh yeah. Well, she told me an interesting story that I want to share before we read this. Cause when he starts off saying, as you come to him, the living stone, and then he, he says all these things that we that we are as a result, and you 
you eventually get to it in verse 7. You're a chosen people. This is a famous verse, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him. I mean, who wouldn't be excited about this, right? And she said, well, you know what happened? She said, when I was working, she was working at a doctor's office for when we were first married. I think she worked there 12 years. And so she did payroll, and it was over 100 employees. And so when the checks came out, you know, down in the little, uh, what's that called? The little memo section or whatever. Well, she would put a Bible verse. Well, when she first did it, she said that they, the doctor, I think there were seven or eight doctors that worked at the time. Well, they had a meeting about that. Said, you know what? This The payroll girl is putting Bible verses on the bottom of the check. Do we want to approve this? And so they went around, you know, approved. So Missy would like, and you know, you can imagine the verses. That was a good thought she's doing there. Yeah. And like, well, sometimes it'd be messages, you know, Merry Christmas or, you know, but it was verses rejoice in the Lord. And so one day after weeks and months of doing this, she puts down there 1 Peter 2, 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. So when she did that, she was informed that they had had a meeting and she would no longer be allowed to put verses down. Ah. There was an objection to 1 Peter 2.7. And without going into detail, you think, now why would someone object to that? And of course, as she investigated, she found out, they said, well, as long as you were you were being generic. Rejoice. Merry Christmas. She said, but they said, when you put this verse, that, that was a doctrinal position. Because the word uh, royal priesthood, because there's different, in, in different religions, people view priests as different. And I just thought that was interesting, that when we study these things and we're viewing, you know, on, on how we're viewed, by God, that different religious segments, because this was brought up by a religious person, a Bible verse that said, I don't like this verse. I just found that incredibly crazy. Yeah, because she didn't ex- she didn't expound upon what no exp- her take on it was. It was she just, just the verse. She just put the verse, and they're like, oh, that's a, yeah, it's interesting, though, how... I just thought it would be helpful moving forward, you know, as we read these things on how there's different religious groups who view verses differently. And, I mean, I would hope that you would never, you know, because we we got into a discussion about that. I said, like, it would be different if you put, like, you know, the verse I quote all the time, where there's a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Okay, Come on, babe. But you know, I mean, you could take a Bible yeah. verse from some random there's thing. A few, there's a few. There's a few in there that that would make you blush. That you exactly. Probably want to I was like, like a dog returns to its vomit. Yeah, you know, something figure, like yeah. that. Yeah. But I was so shocked that now you got to realize it wasn't like she was at church. This was her way in a secular environment to try to plant seeds, and and she said multiple people came up to her office. 
and said, what happened to the Bible? How come the Bible verses are gone? She's like, well, they decided not to let me do it. But there were a lot of people that that was really having a good impression. I thought it was so good, but I also thought it was so sad. But I also wanted to bring it up before we study this so that we can see what may have caused a response like that. And Jace, I, I don't I don't know the situation, but I would just be willing to guess that probably some of the people that made that call weren't even religious people. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, I don't we don't know. She doesn't know exactly I mean, who she said I think yeah. I know who it was, but I'm not not hundred percent sure, you know. I mean they probably wouldn't even know about a priesthood anyway, is my point, you know. But she it's said the phrase royal priesthood is what came up. They said that yeah. phrase that somebody had a problem with that. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know why they'd have a problem with that. Well, I, I just think it, it will be a good discussion once we get there. But I, I just thought that would be uh, kind of set some drama. The first paragraph of chapter one says he identifies himself, apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect. That'd be uh, nice to know. Strangers in the world. You say, hmm, I wonder what that means. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. What a opening line. All the rest of it falls under that category. Uh, Many are called, few are chosen. That's all I can say. Well, let's let's read the text, and then uh, and then we'll kind of start breaking it down. So, so we're in First uh, Peter chapter two, in verse four. He says, "As you come to Him, the living stone, <clears throat> rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him." You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's a quote from Isaiah 40. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do, who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And that's a quote as well uh, from um, Psalm 118. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that causes them uh, to fall. And that's also a quote from Isaiah 8. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were uh, destined for. Verse 9, and this is the one Jace was quoting. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. 
live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. <clears throat> so quite a bit to unpack. One thanks for sure. Pink Floyd missed it. <clears throat> One more brick at a time. And that's a bad thing. This right here says, no, this is for the elect. No, you're right. Because Pink Floyd, the bricks are dead. That's it. You just got a pile of bricks. Pile of and bricks. putting a brick. But they when he started, said, Jesus is the living stone. They're probably listening to us, Pink Floyd, right now. So they may change or have a change of heart. <laughs> But I have my doubts. Man, it's an interesting yeah. thought to wrap your head around, li being living stones. It is. Because we're all living stones in in the wall. I mean, it, it gives you that image, being built into a spiritual house, but it's living stone. We're housing the glory of God. I would just, I'm so, <clears throat> I'm thrilled to be part of that. I mean, man. Well, it, it 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 takes me back to where we just left in Mark, and and you go back to that whole, all of that discourse, and when he's up on the Mount of Olives, and the whole temple issue, and and you remember when uh, Jesus said they were talking about the stones in the temple, and he's like, yeah, all, not a one of them is going to be left standing. Then he prophesied about his own um, resurrection, and that they can destroy this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days, and and then we know what happened with the destruction of the temple. So you, this is a continuation of everything that Jesus was talking about with the coming of the upside down kingdom in the new temple, which now we're, we're the new temple, right? We're, you know, we, we house God in our bodies. And so it's this idea of, you know, they're looking at a temple, they're looking at a, a structure, a set of stones that were cold and dead. It was just brick and mortar. And, and what Jesus was proclaiming that was coming was there's going to be a new temple and now we know kind of this is more imagery of that, that where the stones of that temple are actually alive. And more importantly, they're all built around this one particular stone, which is the one Jesus said, if you destroy the temple, I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Talking about himself, that he is now that cornerstone upon which all of us. Now, we all sit on that foundation. Uh, he he aligns us. He sets us right. He gives us our trajectory. He gives us our measurements. He is he is the standard bearer. I mean, he's he is all in all. You know, going to Colossians, and I think that's like a that's a big point as we as he moves into this discussion about a priesthood because he's establishing a new kind of kingdom here, and then he's about to talk about a new kind of priesthood. Yeah, I was going to say uh, too. Uh, I mean, it's a good point, Phil. But I think if you could have shared with Pink Floyd. Because the they were, we're all just another brick in the wall. But if this, that would have been the way to get to them, that you could be a living, that's right, living stone. Uh, they they fell into victim to a stone that causes men to stumble because they don't obey, him, and right. a rock that makes them fall. That's it's it's for your eternal welfare. They stumble because they disobey the message. God becoming flesh, dying on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised from the dead, sit, seated at the right hand of God. Right. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. And I would add, that's why many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. It's just the way it is, Jace. Well, it's, I mean, you think about a, a stone, you can, if it's a cornerstone, if it's, if it, 
if it's that anchored you, you and it's not moving, I mean, God's an unmovable object. That's what Aristotle called him. Um, you think about a, a stone that's unmovable. You really only have two options. You can you can look at it and acknowledge it and then build upon that as the foundation, or you can ignore it and not look at it, and then you're going to trip over it. But yep. it's not moving. That's right. Like, God's not moving. Like, so, so it's either you recognize his holiness and his sovereignty and his love and compassion. He said, I'm going to build on that stone, and I'm going to, I'm just going to let let the Lord build me on top of this stone or I'm just going to ignore it. But the but the truth is, is that when we've tried to ignore it, anybody that has, I mean, you do stumble. I mean, you kind of stumble. I mean, that's like when you're facing the reality that you're not God, like you're going at some point, you're going to have to come to grips with the reality that you're not God, that you're finite. And you're going to have to deal with that. And um, I think that's what he's kind of pointing out here in First Peter 2. Yeah, there was two things I wanted to bring up and get y'all's thoughts on what I mean, I studied this pretty in-depthly, and there was two things that really just kept coming to my mind. One is this is eerily similar, the phraseology, that what happened on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, the phraseology. And just to give you a little bit of that, uh, in 19.4, of course, this is when, you know, God led them out of, you know, through his grace, out of bondage and He's fixed to give them the Ten Commandments, but he, he says in verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings, which is, you know, a reference to about his grace, and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words. And so... You know, when you see that and then you have the glory of God come on the mountain, the mountain shook, and then it's quite a fascinating read. And and so you, I feel like, you know, he was setting the shadow of eventually where Peter's writing through the Holy Spirit that when what you, what you described, when he did send Jesus and he rescued us through his death on a cross and the hope of the resurrection, we literally... He gave us access to the glory and spirit of God. So the second thing I was going to say, I thought that stood out to me is there's something powerful here that Peter was, especially in light of their suffering. There's something that that is more powerful on people coming together, housing the glory of God. It's an it's a, a group of people that you you can't find this anywhere else. It's an institution or, or a group of humans, a human institution or however you want, or a human movement that's something special is happen, happening through the Spirit of God together. Because he, he, all these phrases are us collectively being built into a spiritual house together to be a holy priesthood, to be a chosen people a holy nation of people belonging to god and i just think that's fascinating you think on the planet there is a place and i mean as in people gathered together that is that is housing the spirit of the eternal god i mean that's just an incredible can you imagine the non-believers jace they take a snapshot of of us four we just stand in a row and they take a snapshot. They say, for the ones who said, who in the world is that? You say, 
members of the royal priesthood, they would. Yeah, it'd be a tough sell. Yeah, it'd be a tough sell. It because it, it, it flies. It, it really flies in the face of what a lot of us were taught in church too. You know the old. You remember? You guys remember the old? Uh, you take your hands, you put them together, and you say, "Here's the church." Yeah. Here's the steeple, you know, open up the doors and here's all the people. It's like, no, that's not, that's not true. Worst <laughs> the, the illustration is, ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the church is not a building, you know, and it, the, like it's the people, it's the priesthood of believers. But, you know, we've been sold on the idea that even, even as Protestants, you know, we've been sold on this idea that, that the pastor He's, I mean, we might not call him a priest, but he's, you know, we, we outsource all of the priestly duties to the, to the paid clergy. Um, you know, it's, it's so funny how many people have, they know about what we're doing. They're like, man, it's so weird that all you guys preach. I mean, why is that weird? Well, I mean, you're not like, uh, you know, like pastors or paid or, you know, I'm like, well, and it just gets into, I'm like, why is that weird? I mean, like I read this about the priesthood of believers and I'm like, man, what if the church quit outsourcing what if the people in the pews said i'm not going to outsource my priestly duties to a paid clergy not that there's anything wrong with paid clergy we have a paid we have paid pastor on our on our staff at our church nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that but when it does become wrong in my opinion and i think that's biblical is when we say we're going to outsource it to this guy and he got some kind of vision directly from god that we didn't get and then he's going to disseminate it to the people I'm like, I don't, I just don't see that in the Bible and in the New Testament. You know, I, I, what I see is, is the call to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to equip the church. Like, you know, like I, I believe that I'm called to fulfill the great commission just as much as, you know, our, exactly. our paid pastor, you know? Well, what you're describing is Ephesians 4, you know, when he said he gave some to be apostles, this 411, some to be uh, prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. Well, I think that what you've described here, here's because Zach, it's interesting that me and you went right down the same lane. And I, I've always said, look, the church is not uh, an institution, which is not entirely accurate. But so I'm going to clarify that it's a movement. It's a dynamic Spirit-filled movement. However, there there are some structures to the church, and he lays them out. So it, it does have uh, an institutional element to it. I think the problem has occurred when it becomes way too much institutional and not a movement. And so I think it's a movement with some institutional elements. And so what I mean is that when you look at the difference in an institution – and a movement. Well, a movement is led from the bottom up. They're doing the work, which would go be consistent with Ephesians four. I mean, these yeah. anybody's qualified to go out there and, and share. Um, it's not rule uh, oriented, which you know, an institution. It's rule oriented. I mean, it you have the rules. This is the way it is, and you have the top elite making decisions, but in the church, well, there are no elite. The elite is Jesus. I mean, yeah, because <clears throat> there is no one good except God. Well, right. So our high priest, uh, you're a holy chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and his wonderful light. Whether your title to God, the titles we used, he's this one is a preacher and this one is a, we're all together striving we're, we're, yes. to walk as Jesus did because yeah. we know he was mistake <laughs> free. So our aim, our goal is to walk as Jesus did. It's called being good. <laughs> well, I think the problem is when a group of when a group of people hierarchy say we're the spiritual elite and here's how we're going to do it and they turn it into an institution, it's no longer being grace led. I mean, grace Jesus and the Holy good. Spirit, the grace of God. You're right. The grace that Jesus provided and the Holy Spirit of God is what's leading the mo- it's motivating people to be outspoken about yep. Jesus, which Peter is addressing that when you're outspoken about Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. And when you look at a, a cadre of individuals, they don't need any man-made names. If you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and I always look, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you're like, I see goodness coming out of them. They're known for it. You're close to the royal priesthood there when you see that. When you see how they behave, you're like, hmm. Yeah. Well, to your point, Phil, I mean, I think that uh, that's a really good point you made, that there's only one that's good, and it's Jesus. And and I think that's been the pattern that we've kind of forgotten about over the last probably 20 years. I think we've all, we always struggle with this as humans, right? When we move more towards the institution, I love Jace that you caveated that, that we're not anti-institution. There is a part of this that is institutional. It's just when that becomes primary over, over the fact that this is a movement of it's living, it's a living stone filled with the, filled with the spirit. It yep. should be the church should be the kingdom should be. But when you, when you get away from that and you say, man, I'm going to put all this on a man. Like you got to remember, like, the gig and the gig's kind of up. You know, men are falling, right? I mean, look at how many pastors that we put our hope in in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And then we found out, oh my gosh, there's like major sin going on. There's like major abuse going on. And, and the church is kind of like, what do we do? Well, don't put your faith in a man. You know, yeah. uh, I, I, re- I remember we were in at the Pontific College in um, Italy and uh, in Rome. And there was a very high ranking official that came in and one of the guys here with looked at Phil was like, do you know who that is? And you could just tell he was like taken by this individual and Phil goes revere no one, but God. And I just thought that, that stuck with me. And you know, I think what we're, we've, we've done this in a way where we've outsourced this. So to such a degree, and we've viewed this as such an institution, we've left what Jay's called the movement. And by doing so, the church has become a, primarily a lot of spectators and not a lot of participators. And I think that the kingdom and what God's inviting you into is, is to be a participator. He says that in the very next uh, book, second Peter, that we are invited to be participators and partakers in the divine nature. And what happens is we go in and we sit down and we spectate what's going on on the stage. And not, not that that's all bad. It's just that when that's all it becomes is I come in to this place to get my fill. You know, I'm like the woman at the well. I'm going to the well to get my water. Then I go, I go home. The water runs dry. I got to go back to the well. That's when she asked Jesus, where do we worship on the mountain? Which temple do we worship at? The mountain 
uh, the one we're at or the one you guys are at in Jerusalem. And what did Jesus say? A time is coming, and the fact is now here, when you'll worship the Father neither on that mountain nor in Jerusalem. He says, I want worshipers to worship me in truth and spirit. Yep. And I think that's why it's we want to contain it so bad. But verses like this royal priesthood, what this does to our container, it just like obliterates it. And there yeah, it, it, you can't hold it. When you I know, went, yeah, when I, I went to Israel and participated in the, you know, Jewish uh I forgot what it was even called, but uh Shabbat. And we, you know, they all go on Saturday to the wall and uh boy it was just wailing and I wanted just to stand up and shout, we are the wall. We're the wall, you know, because they were just wanting to touch that, you know, with the wall, which it was not even the same wall. It was just where it was. And uh, to to everyone's point, we're all on the same page here. I mean, we, we are being built. I mean, I, that's why I love that illustration about Pink Floyd, because it's really those are the two walls. That's you're right. a living stone built by God, or you're just another brick in a wall that's going to be destroyed. That's it. That's it. Those were old stones, but they weren't old enough. Let's take let's take another break. Yeah, when you when you buy into the Pink Floyd model that it's just another brick in the wall, then the, you know what the next move is? Is you have to continue in the Pink Floyd model and become comfortably numb. Yeah. You have to be comfortably numb because yeah. there's a like, wrecking ball coming towards your wall. <laughs> yeah, so you better just get the needle. It will do what you got to do, but like get comfortably numb because you don't want to realize how all of this is meaninglessness if all it is is just another brick in the wall. But if we are the wall, if we mm-hmm. are the building, if we are the kingdom, man, now you're talking about some kind of living hope. And I don't even know what all that means yet, but man, yeah. I think like, that's something I can kind of latch well, on. We strive for, this is interesting. Once this is for, uh, the verse, uh, what? 10. Once you were not a people, but now when you came to Jesus, you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy. But now you have received mercy. Dear friends, now here's the way we roll. I urge you as aliens, you know, say what? And strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, which happens daily, they may see your good deeds everywhere Jesus went. He went around, Peter said, doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. We're to do the same. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So we're known for doing good. And they look and they say, hmm, they're not cursing, carrying on, immorality, drunkenness, I mean, hatred. It just goes on and on and on. And it's inside sometime, unfortunately, the elect and uh, a mass repentance always is good to. No, you gave me a good idea, Phil. Next time someone asks me if I believe in aliens, I'm going to say I am one. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And look, I don't want to hate on Pink Floyd. If if people look at you and say there's some kind of alien bunch running around they holler about this Jesus. I don't, I don't know exactly what they're looking for. I mean, you know. They, yeah. 
I don't want to hate yeah. on Pink Floyd too much because there is one stanza of a song that I really agree with. There's someone in my head, and it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, we don't need no education. I didn't know what you, where you, where no, you were going. No, you remember when he did, he said, he said there's yeah. someone in my head. But it's not me. <laughs> then he kind of laughs. <laughs> so, but if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, but I think it was, he was thinking it was a deal. Maybe some of this material to get to the guys at Pink Floyd, and maybe they'll make it. I, I, I hope they do. I mean, it's, it was a good illustration, Phil. We just continue to walk on that wall. Yeah, it's an illustration. But, but you yeah. know, it's, it's funny, though. You read, when you get this whole context of of uh, First Peter um, and we can probably talk about this in the next podcast some more, but um, and not, not and not to skip too far forward, but go, if you go to to chapter five, and it's just interesting to me that you have Peter, the guy who wrote this, who was, I guess, probably the first one. Was he the first one that Jesus called? I mean, that, uh, he was. I mean, he was on the ground floor of this thing that we're a part of called Christianity, and he was an apostle of Christ. Um, he's the one that Jesus said to upon this rock, I'll build my, my church. I mean, he, I mean, this guy's been there at a lot of pivotal moments in, in the coming forth of the he church. He was given the keys to the kingdom to open the gate. Yeah. So it, it, you just think about his importance and his role in the church is Man. like, it, you can't, you can't overestimate it. And then when you, so when you get the, you get, but he's building this case here, this priesthood of believers, this kind of deconsolidation of power that like, what, like, what is he talking about? A living stone, the temple came down. Wait, what, what, what is, what is all this about? And then he gets to, to chapter five and he starts talking about um, the elders and he addresses the elders, but he, he doesn't say Peter, an apostle of Christ. I exhort you, elders. What does he say? He comes down off of his apostolic like leadership role, and he says, "Peter, as a fellow elder, a co a co elder," and then he addresses the elders, and then he gives a, he makes a case in First Peter five that that there is no I say it like this that there is a chief elder, there is a lead pastor, and it, and, and you know what his name is. Jesus his name is Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the lead pastor. Jesus is the lead elder. And I do think that uh, I think we should have a conversation. I know we will when we get there, but there, there's a model here about how we structure leadership because it, it's I, I think it's much more broad. It's it's equipping more and more people to 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 take on these roles of of leadership and responsibility. And it's like the kingdom is not consolidating power. The kingdom is not let me scoop it all up into the hands of the paid clergy. And then we're going to tell everybody what to do and they can come listen and spectate. It's, it's, it's not that it's, it's overflowing, pushing out, equipping. And that's why the kingdom of God is viral. That's why it's a movement. That's why uh, Jesus said, you can't see it. It's like the wind. The reason why you can't see it is it's just cause it keeps replicating over and over and over again. And the good and I, news the is are everywhere. And the new the good news is, uh, God has fixed it through Jesus so that our sins are not counted against us. That's but, how we're that but, but is it's also the reason it's misunderstood because when you read that with to go back to my original story about Missy at her workplace, they had the problem with that royal priesthood because people don't think we're priests because we don't have the right uniform on, and they sure don't think we're kings because when we think of kings, we think 
of something totally different. That's why when Jesus, who is our king and the king of kings, it's not what you think. He was a serving king. He humbled himself. He he became nothing. And we do the same thing. We come broken. We're empty. We're humble. But don't ever doubt it. We're royal because being a part of this kingdom makes us and gives us an inheritance because we started in chapter one where he said that's eternal. Oh, you're a king. All right. We're just not the kind of king a worldly king that we think of. We don't go around and kill yeah. people and conquer it. it. It's the total opposite. That's why I think there's so much misunderstanding about this. Well, because yeah, because they because they were viewing it as a as more of a political and ethnic. Well, it was it was a, the kingdom yeah. the kingdom prior to Jesus's arrival. You know, God's people. It was a political and ethnic uh, um, kingdom. That's what it yeah. was. And then when he came. And included the Gentiles into this, which that's interesting how he uses the term, you are a chosen race, because yeah. it was a chosen race at one point. And then you read, read Romans 9, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, not all Israel is, not everybody in Israel is Israel. And he redefines what Israel means. And, exactly. and it's an inclusion of the brought, Gentiles. Yeah. That's, that's why I brought up Exodus 19. I think it was a shadow of what eventually would occur, that we would make up an entire race, which is all races coming together at the feet of Jesus. Being different kind of kings and different kind of priests. It's a beautiful thing. It's all eternal. It's living. It's dynamic. And that is what the movement is. That's why when Jesus said, when they were asking about when the kingdom uh, would come, he said, it's not going to come visibly because the kingdom will be within you. And I know it was a reference to the Holy Spirit and the grace that was coming. And you find, I I know we're we're about out of when you find the leadership, uh, uh, Zach, an elder, that's, that's what Peter was, must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe, not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. An overseer, elder, is entrusted with God's work. He must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to much wine, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. The list is fairly long here. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, that keeps coming up, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold on to the trustworthy message, that's the gospel, Jesus dying, being buried, and raised, as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Man, what the qualifications for people who are members of the kingdom of God, there's no room for haughtiness and know it, I know it all, the buck stops here and maybe, you know, soft music playing when they're walking out toward the mic. <laughs> uh, we're <laughs> not a, getting a little carried away there. <laughs> With that, Al, <laughs> take it away. On, on, that, okay. on, that, on that soft note, we're out of time. Uh, cue the music, and, cue the music, guys. Cue the music. Uh, <laughs> amazingly, and we've only scratched the surface of this text. That's what's amazing. So we'll, we'll try to include a little bit more of this in overtime. Uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed if you want to follow us over and catch a little bit more of this text uh, we'll see you uh, in the overtime segment thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast help us out by rating us on itunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on youtube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes and for even more content that you won't get anywhere else 
Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.